0: All right, what's happening, my people, my college football people? How we doing this week? Welcome into College Football Tailgates. Uh, as you can tell, your your fearless leader will host of the show. Will he's out, he's gone. No will this week. And then the producer, Ryan. Where is he? Huh? Nowhere. Yeah, it's just me. It's just lonely old me in the studio today. So it's going to be a bit of a different show. Now, every week we do a recap show, highlighting, recapping the biggest and best games over the weekend. And we'll do the same thing today. So just a little bit quicker, I guess, just me. And I'm going to do a bit of a different approach. I'm going to go through the Friday games first. And then we'll go through the Saturday games in order of the top 25, okay? Because there were no top 25 games on Friday. So we'll do Friday's games first, and then we'll go through 1 through 25 in the top 25, recap all those games, and then uh, wrap the show up by talking about the non-top 25 games. I've got a couple bullet points for each game, a couple takeaways, and of course, some upgrades and downgrades. So uh, don't worry, Will and Ryan will be back later on this week. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure Will is well he's on a work trip okay they sent him off packed him up shipped him out and and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have to talk to him about this next week uh I'm pretty sure he went to Indianapolis okay so I didn't question Will I didn't prod I didn't pro I didn't poke I didn't like like get real detailed he said "I'm, I'm leaving town heading to Indianapolis for work I said okay cool see you next week well you realize Michigan played at Indiana this week Okay, so I have all kinds of questions. Was he at the game? Did he really have a work thing? Was he just trying to go to the Michigan-Indiana game? I'm not so sure. So uh, we're going to have questions for Will. You better believe that on Wednesday. Tune in for that. He's getting... We're putting Will in the hot seat. We're grilling him. So... All right, uh, let's get to it. Uh, before we do, remember, BetUS is the place you want to go to make bets. And here's the thing about BetUS there's all different kinds of sports books out there. The more sports betting becomes regulated and legal, there's going to be more sports books popping up. And if you want to be a part of a good sports book that you can get your money in easy, get your money out easy, but aside from all of that, they have so many different bets you're not going to find anywhere else, primarily the entertainment bets. I love these. You can bet on TV shows, you can bet on award shows, pretty much anything. I, I think uh, Dray- Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, Cool. the odds for them to fight are currently out on bet us there's so many th- fun things to bet on that aside from the normal sports betting experience which we talk about every week on this show it's so much fun outside of that they've got casinos and everything else you want so check out bet us put in promo code tailgate when you're signing up and uh, i guarantee it's going to be worth it if you add them to your repertoire of sports books All right, let's get into it recapping last week in college football uh, the bet board went one and one. Don't have total numbers. As a matter of fact, if you want the housekeeping, the total numbers, the complete uh, recap of where we are in the show in terms of picks, stay tuned on Wednesday. Still have to do a deep dive on that. I didn't have enough time. We're talking updates today. We're talking takeaways from the weekend. We'll, we'll save the records for Wednesday. But either way, I do know the bet board went one, one, and one this week. And for new listeners, the bet board is simply Will's best bets. When they contradict with my best bets, they go up on the bet. Board so one 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 this weekend we will hit all those games in this recap. All right, so let's start off on Friday. Uh, Friday games we got two to two to uh, go over. Uh, Nebraska Rutgers. Nebraska huge comeback win against Rutgers. They are now three and three. Rutgers got off to a great start. I love their jerseys too. The all blacks they're wearing. But uh, Nebraska get the win. They they came back to win fourteen thirteen, and they were dancing on Rutgers' uh, <laughs> midfield logo. It's like okay, you know, if I were the intern at Nebraska, it's like get your ass in the locker room. You just had to you had to come back against Rutgers. You won fourteen thirteen. We're not dancing on any you know logos here. It's a little ridiculous for Nebraska. So anyway, Nebraska gets the uh, the win. There now it's no two in a row. For the, Hus- for the Huskers and uh, Rutgers is now 3-3 three and three, but Rutgers 3 wins against uh, pretty iffy teams so uh, Nebraska gets the win there also on Friday Houston outscores Memphis 26-12 in the fourth quarter to win Houston's a weird 3-3 three and three. Right. We talked about them earlier in the year. I was a little behind on Houston from where everyone else had them. But they're now 3-3, three and three, being a decent Memphis team. Memphis is now 4-2 and two after uh, a questionable start to the season with their schedule, at least. So Houston, my, my biggest takeaway with Houston is they are a good second-half team. They are not a good first-half team. Houston's scoring in the first half. They've scored 48 points through six games so far. In the second half, Houston scored 137. So again, first half scoring through six games, Houston scoring 48. Second half, 137. Definitely something to watch as we move forward. All right, let's get to Saturday's games. Now we're going to go top 25, one through 25. Obviously, Alabama AM, one of the best games of the weekend. Even though Alabama closed as a 24 and a half point favorite, and that's right there. Why I as a as a professional sports better really question this whole obsession that a lot of my counterparts have over closing line value now for those who don't know closing line value or clv is the value it's it's just that the value you have compared to the closing line so if we get a team that's let's say like minus 4 in the middle of the week let's say tuesday or wednesday we make a bet and that team closes minus 7 that's three points of closing value, right? We had a minus four, closing minus seven. That's generally what you're looking for as an indicator you're making the right bets. It's not a guarantee you're gonna win the bets, but that's an indication you're on the right side over the long run. Well, last week, as I said on the show, I had Alabama minus 17. <laughs> that didn't matter a lick. You know? And so it's funny, like there's a lot of people out there who who cry and bitch and my oh, the closing line I beat closing line value by seven and a half points. Now generally Beating the CLV by seven and a half points is a great indicator, but closing line value doesn't pay the bills. It doesn't mean a damn thing. So I think that in general, people overvalue closing line value, and maybe this offseason, this summer, that can be something for me to work on, do a little independent study on how important truly is closing line value because some people worship it, some people don't, and this is an example right here. All week, I'm walking around with my head high. Hey, what's the line on Alabama AM? and m 24? Oh, I got 17 in my pocket. It's like... They almost lost the game. So anyway, a uh, little takeaway there from closing line value. Maybe not as important as people think. But in terms of the actual game, uh, Bama did lose the, turn- the turnover battle 4-1. to And in college football games, where teams lose the turnover battle 4-1, Historically, over the last 25 years, the, the the team who's turned the ball over four times has lost the game outright 81% of the time. So it is extraordinarily difficult to turn the ball over and win, much less turn the ball over and cover the spread. So that's a huge takeaway from this game. AM was outgained by 80 yards. Uh, Alabama had 24 first downs to AM's 18. So really, you look across the board and AM was just behind Bama in a lot of these stats. I wouldn't say Alabama dominated. As a matter of fact, the expected final score was uh, 31-21 based on my metrics, which is still not covering the spread, but the win expectancy all game was hovering right around Alabama 70%, but at the end, when AM had the ball on the two about to go up, it was a dead 50-50. I mean, that was as close as you're going to get, so I think we have to naturally downgrade Bama just a little bit and I don't know about upgrading A&M because you're going to get teams like this all year long they get up for Alabama they get up for the good teams I want to see A&M repeat this a couple weeks in a row prove they have an offense that can keep up and once they do that, maybe we'll upgrade a substantially. Right now, if you are going to upgrade the Aggies, it's got to be minimal. But if you want to downgrade to Alabama, I don't blame you. I think Alabama deserves a bit of a downgrade. They have not shown they can be that dominant team this year. And it's funny. We put Alabama and Georgia a, a, a notch above everyone else. And even though I still think that's the case, I'm not sure the gap is as wide as it has been in the past. So definitely something to watch for as we move forward. But uh, Alabama getting the win there, close win. And uh, I do have a note here from Will. He mentioned the Johnny Manziel tweet. Johnny Manziel tweeting that it was the worst call in history or something like that. I don't have the exact tweet in front of me. And uh, Will agrees. He was uh, echoing that sentiment. It's, it, it's it's pretty common that you're going to get Will and Johnny Manziel on the same side of things. <laughs> uh, when Will's not here, I like to speak for him. But uh, anyway, Will and Johnny Manziel, not a big fan of the Final game play calling from Jimbo Fisher in A&M, and uh, Bama gets the close win, 24-20. to All right, next game, Ohio State taking care of business against Michigan State, 49-20. to uh, C.J. Stroud, six touchdowns, and Ohio State outgained Michigan State, 614-202. to uh, Georgia takes care of business against Auburn, 42-12. Only a matter of time until... I don't think they've made a change. Let's see here. I mean, it's it's early on a Monday when I'm recording this. Auburn football, have they fired... Brian Harson yet. Let's see here. Brian Harson early gamble, weeks of desperation. No, not yet. And it's funny, like I'm ready for this to happen. I believe it's going to happen any day now. They can't keep waiting because other teams around the country are already firing their coaches if Auburn truly is out on Brian Harson and all indications are that they will move on. They've got to get in the mix for some of these coaches, and I know you may say, "Hey, no one's making hires in the season. They can wait until just before bowl season." And that's what they may do. I mean, Auburn's a you know, they, they have a lot of tradition. They may not just fire a coach midseason, but they have done that before. And I wouldn't put it past them to put their name in the hat with some of these other coaches early in the process. So uh, Georgia getting the win there 41 to, t- or excuse me, 42 10 and blowing out Auburn. Uh, Michigan, Michigan takes down Indiana 31 10. But man, that game was close. Uh, hopefully, Will was uh, cheering his team on there at the 50 yard line. <laughs> He's going to hate me. Uh, It was 10-10 at half, 17-10 Michigan up uh, going into the fourth quarter. But this was more of a story in my mind of Michigan easing into their offense. I mean, Michigan held the ball for almost 38 minutes. They outgained Indiana, excuse me. They outgained Indiana, 469 to 222. And they did outscore the Hoosiers 21 0 in the second half. So I don't want to go crazy and overreact to what a close game this was, but it was close in the first half. And, you know, I'm sure Michigan fans would prefer to see a little bit more when you know, Ohio State's taking care of business. You see, you know, 614 to 202 yards against uh, Michigan State. You've got other teams in the top five looking dominant, except for Alabama, I guess. And, you know, you would prefer to see that as a Michigan fan. But as I said, they did outscore. Uh, the Hoosiers 21 10 in the second half. And my other takeaway from the game this is deep. Okay. You're not going to get this anywhere else. I think Michigan has the most Amish sounding players on their team of anyone in college football. I mean, Luke Schoonmaker. They've got a guy named Cornelius. Okay. He's not a scientist either. His name's Cornelius Johnson. I don't know. Definitely the most Amish sounding team in college ball. all right moving on move along sir uh clemson they beat boston college 31 three boston college is a joke this year my god can they do anything right no takeaway there for clemson they did exactly what they were supposed to do against uh they're not the golden eagles this year we'll call them like the the off yellow eagles for boston college i think that's more appropriate all right usc how about usc this year i got some thoughts about the trojans uh, they struggled early against Washington State and they pulled away, away late to win 30-14. Uh, here's the thing about USC. Early in the year, when a lot of people, including myself, were questioning about, you know, is this defense for real? Is this team for real? There's really not a whole lot of legitimate questions about USC's offense. It's all about their defense. And what I'm seeing is that early in the year, they were inflated. I mean, I think through the second or third week of the se- I think it was the third week of the season, they were plus 10 <laughs> in the turnover battle, which is just crazy through three weeks. But you know This defense, I think what we're seeing is they're improving under Alex Grinch at a very, very steady pace. And I think they're actually getting to be an, an above-average defense before our very eyes. What happened, I think, is they got some wins along the way. They got some confidence. And what usually happens in this situation, let's say you play four games and the defense plays that bad. Maybe you go two and two, but the defense gets better by the end of the year they're where they need to be. USC, I don't want to use the word lucky, but they escaped with a few wins early in the year. Now they're undefeated, and that defense is improving. So everything kind of game together for USC, and I really am optimistic about their defense moving forward. So, something to watch. You know, they're at Utah next week, road underdogs. So, that, that's going to be a fun one to handicap. There are so many great games coming up next week. Stay tuned on Wednesday. We're going to have a ton of breakdowns. It's going to be a good show. But uh, USC gets the win, 34 14 against the Cougs. All right, uh, next, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State holds on against Texas Tech. Uh, 41-31. This is a classic Big 12 game. Main question here is: Is Oklahoma State for real? You know, Texas Tech is better than people think, and I've been I've been saying this for a while. I think Mike Gundy is one of the more underrated head coaches in college football. I I stand by that this year, and he's done one thing very interesting. I know they gave up 31 this game, but efficiency-wise, his defense, Mike Gundy's defense, has gotten better and better the last five years. I think it's going up against those OU teams over and over. Those you know, those high-scoring Big 12 teams. He's like, I'm sick of this. I want a good defense, and that's exactly Exactly what Oklahoma State is doing. Uh, Very impressed with their defense, even though, like I said, they gave up 31 to a a very underrated Texas Tech team. And I do have a a thought on the the, uh, onside kick. There was an onside kick that happened this game and it was kind of tough to see what happened, but it, it was clear after they went through the replay, Texas Tech did an onside kick, but they chipped it up. It never touched the ground. That's very, very obvious. The ball never hit the ground. And what happened was the Oklahoma State player, very smartly, Okay, very, very smart called for a fair catch. Once you call for a fair catch, plays over, you can't run into the player. So he called for a fair catch, kick catch interference was called, and Oklahoma State got the football. It was, a lot of people on Twitter were up in arms, a lot of people on social media were making a big deal out of it, but look, it was clear once you saw what happened, it was the right call, it was actually a smart play on Oklahoma State's part, and that's the thing. You can use the rules to your advantage. Again, that goes back to coaching and exploiting everything you can to give your team an advantage. So Oklahoma State holds on against Tech 41 Two thirty-one. Uh, Ole Miss. They were down at halftime to Vandy. My God, it was twenty to seventeen. The halftime line was Ole Miss minus four. Okay, that that's gonna happen sometimes. You get presented with these lines because of bad first half. And my God, Alabama. Ole Miss came back in the second half, outscored Vandy thirty-five to eight in the second half for a blowout win and absolutely covered that uh, that spread. So. Uh, Takeaway here, uh, final score here 52 uh, 28. Ole Miss gets the win against Vandy. All right, moving on. Who's next? Uh, UCLA Utah. This was a big game. Two, top, two teams in the top 25. Utah came in number 11, UCLA number 18. UCLA gets the win. It is time, absolutely time, to take UCLA seriously. I mean, for a while there, you wonder was it the schedule? Are they are they legit this year? Is Chip Kelly finally turned this thing around? And I think the answer is yes. They won 42 to 32 and, in my opinion, dominated throughout the game. You know, you look at these stats, you look for misleading finals. That's one of the biggest things as a sports better: misleading finals because sometimes, you know, let's say the Clemson-BC game, Clemson-Boston College, if all the stats say it should have been 21-21, but Clemson won 31-3, then it's something to look at. Okay, now Clemson dominated that game, but that's just an example. So here, if it's like you know, Utah, UCLA, if UCLA gets away with some you know, turnovers or, pe- or penalties, whatever it may be, and wins, that's one thing. I believe UCLA dominated. I think their offensive and defensive lines are underrated. I mean, this is a very, very good offense. Chip Kelly has this thing. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're humming. It's so efficient. It's so fun to watch, actually. UCLA is a legit team. They may have the worst fans in college football. I think we may need to do like a top five, bottom five college football fans this week. I mean, they probably the worst fans of college football, right? It was it was hysterical to look around the stadium. It was like, what's going on here? It was a huge game. It was a giant game. No one cared. No one was there for UCLA. But uh, either way, UCLA gets the win, forty-two. To 32. And as I mentioned earlier, Utah turns around next week and they're minus three at home against USC. So, all right, uh, Oregon, Arizona next. Oregon beats Arizona 49 to 22 while losing the turnover battle 3 nothing, And that's very rare. As we mentioned in the Alabama AM game, you lose the turnover battle that much, you're not going to win very often, much less beat the other team 49 to 22. So, that's a definite statement game for uh, uh, Oregon and Bo Nicks. Uh, speaking of Bo Nix, he went twenty to twenty-five, and Oregon outgained Arizona five eighty to three fifty-six. Uh, Kentucky, moving on to Kentucky, they lose at home to South Carolina. Tough showing for Kentucky, but they absolutely missed their quarterback, uh, Will Levis. Uh, the rushing game was actually working for Kentucky, but South Carolina game plan just too good defensively to slow down uh, Kentucky in the red zone. So big game for for South Carolina. You know, I mean, they've been struggling this year. They bring Spencer Rattler over. Expectations are high. They did not get off to a good start. So that's definitely a defining win in this 2022 season for uh, the Gamecocks. All right, next game was a bedboard game: NC State and Florida State. Uh, oh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention earlier, the UCLA Utah game was a bedboard game. Will got the bedboard win there. Uh, you notice I just blew over that one, just brushed right past it. Hey, mm, no coincidence. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um. All right. Next, uh, NC State and Florida State. This is a bedboard game. NC State gets the win, but fails to cover the three-point spread. And here's the thing. I'm still not sold on NC State. Now, last year, if you go back all the way to the 2021 season preseason, I was so high on NC State. I was like, no one's talking about this team. They have so much talent. I love the coaching staff. And they even brought back players this year. They should be better this year than they were last year. So NC State theoretically should be one of those teams in terms of trajectory and projections where they're like a top 10 team. But I just don't see it. They should be. They've got the talent. They've got the coaching staff. But it's not coming together this year. You know, um, I've got them overall about 31st. Football Outsiders has uh, NC State 35th. Phil Steele has them 32nd. PFF College has NC State 28th. I mean, no respectable rankings have NC State even in the top 25. So I have question marks about them. Uh, Florida State, though, you know, they were able to run the football, move the football. I don't know, Mike Norvell, he, he shoots himself in the foot sometimes, just can't get out of his own way. But uh, yeah, NC State outlasts Florida State nineteen fourteen but don't get the cover on the three-point spread. All right, moving on to Wake Forest. They beat Army 45-10. They were up 38-0 and just pretty much turned it off in the fourth quarter. We talked about this phenomenon last week when you get teams who have blowouts or teams that are really, really big favorites in the point spread. Generally, the fourth quarter is going to be a pick and we actually saw Army win the fourth quarter in this game uh, 7-10. So either way, Wake Forest turned it off in the fourth. They were up 38-0 and got a decisive win 45-10. Notre Dame-BYU, the great jersey debate. My God, Will and Ryan, the two who weren't there, going back and forth at it on Twitter. Will hated the jerseys. Ryan loved the jerseys, so I guess I need to step in, play Judge Judy, and uh, be the final verdict here. I side with uh, Will, the host. Uh, I think that they were weird jerseys. It kind of looked like the Notre Dame, uh, the the shoulders. It kind of looked like... I don't know what it was. Now, forgive me if it's uh, if it's like a, a religious thing. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with all that. Okay, maybe it's that, and maybe it's like something that... But I, I don't feel like I'm disrespecting it. It just kind of looked like a weird... It looked like a state capital. That's what it looked like to me. I was like, why do they have the state capital on their shoulders? It's kind of a weird look. But uh, yeah, producer Ryan loved it. Will hated it. I'll let them hash it out next week <laughs> on Wednesday's show. But uh, Notre Dame looked good. They looked dominant to start the game. But, you know, BYU ended up making it close. It was only 28-10. Notre Dame got the win. uh, But that was a closer game in the second half than it looked like it was going to be through the first two quarters. Uh, Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine looks very efficient. 22 of 28 and three touchdowns. He's the key to this kind of shift that we've seen for Notre Dame. They're finally comfortable. And my God, Marcus Freeman looks like he's actually taking a breath there on the sideline. You know, first couple games of the season he looked shell-shocked a little bit, in my opinion. So he's warming up. And this is what Chip Kelly said. He's like, look, Marcus Freeman's a good coach. He's, he's going to get it. may take a little time, but he's going to get it. And so I think that's what we're seeing with Notre Dame. We're seeing a team grow with their head coach, and they got the big win on the road, uh, 28-10. Where, where were the Mormons? Where were the BYU fans? I mean, was it because it was in Vegas? I'm not so sure. But Notre Dame was like a 60 sixty-sixty-five 65% showing up in the, uh, in the crowd for that game. Alright, uh, what's next? What's next? What's next? Oh, bet board game next. A TCU and Kentucky. TCU minus 7, and they win by 7, hence the 1-1 one, in one, one week on the bet board. Um, uh, my takeaway, though, from this is I'm upgrading Kansas's offensive and defensive lines. I was really impressed. I believed TCU would have a slight advantage on the line, be able to pull away early, and that simply did not happen. Um, I'm also actually upgrading TCU's pass game. Very efficient. I'm I'm impressed with Max Dugan. I think so far that this season, Max Dugan is the one quarterback who's really stepped out and separated himself and exceeded expectations in terms of the advanced stats, what he's done efficiency-wise. He's a very good quarterback. I think he should be one of the top quarterbacks considered. Does he come out this year for the NFL? Whenever he does, I, I believe he should be a... Uh, in the conversation for the top quarterbacks in whatever class he comes out. man, maybe you disagree with me, but I just believe that he's got the tools that will translate to the NFL. Max Dugan looks very good, very comfortable, good arm, efficient, accurate. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about Max Dugan. But I don't want to move on from Kansas because Kansas, I can also say a bunch of good things about them. And I did see TCU winning this game. I believed even though it ended in a tie, Kansas was the team to exceed expectation here. Jayhawks looked very good. And one of my concerns coming into this game was, does Kansas have enough in the tank, both physically, but also in the playbook? And I think they answered both those questions with a resounding yes. So, uh, big takeaway from Kansas and TCU. Both teams looked very good. Not a whole lot of negatives to say about either one of them. Uh, Kansas State they win, but don't cover at Iowa State. They won ten nine. And my God, the state of Iowa right now having a hard time scoring. Iowa can't move it. Iowa State can't move it. I mean, look. At least they're not Colorado, where I live, and they're having to deal with the nonsense of like CU, CSU, and Air Force can't cover a spread. But uh, yeah, Iowa can't. What's going on, man? Iowa just can't move the football as a state right now. Uh, Kansas, Kansas State, I should say, wins, but uh, doesn't get the cover at Iowa State. And that's what Matt Campbell does. You know, he covers these games. It seems like Matt Campbell shoots himself in the foot, has a hard time being a home favorite, has a hard time when expectations are there. But hey, you make them a home underdog, a situation is bad for him. I know they didn't win, but uh, they covered the spread. And that's exactly what I kind of leaned towards last week. I said, no, this is the kind of game Matt Campbell wins and covers. They didn't win, but they sure covered. Uh, moving on, Arizona State beats Washington. Washington, who I thought could have been a surprise team this year in the Pac-12, now losing two weeks in a row. And Arizona State, this is probably more about the Sun Devils because... We didn't talk about it a whole lot last week, but there's been some weird weird stuff going on down there in Tempe. Uh namely, okay, so one of the best things about sports betting being legalized is you notice the shady shit. And what I mean by that is if there's if you're going to if you're going to fix a game in like college basketball, it's very actually easy to see what's going on just based on the money coming in. Okay, cuz usually college basketball games that get fixed, it's not you know Texas Tech and, and, and Kansas. The games that get fixed, it's like Central Tennessee against Wofford. And so what'll happen is, if all of a sudden the Central Tennessee Wofford game has 1.5 million bet on it, that's gonna send up a few red flags, and they're gonna go, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And if the stats in that game show weird stuff, that's when investigations launch. So everything throughout history, everyone that's been caught and these like scandals, it's all been because of the regulation and legalization of sports betting. Well, the same thing happens here because what happened was Arizona State, obviously, it came out after Herm Edwards was fired. The staff was letting other opposing staffs know Herm Edwards' game plan. And this was like a tank job. They were trying to expose Herm. They were trying to get Herm fired, trying to make him look bad. So they leaked the game plan information to opposing head coaches. Well, what we didn't hear... Was there were, there were people actively working for, I'm not sure whether it was the school or the football team, and this individual wore an Arizona State shirt, went up to a window in, I believe, Las Vegas, and bet against Arizona State's football team. The, the investigation is still going on. I actually just recently heard about this, but it's a big deal. I mean, there's, something's going to come out, and this is going to be a big deal for Arizona State. But the other takeaway here is this kind of stuff actually happens. We always say, ah, I can't have That's a 1920s kind of thing. That game fixing, people trying to cheat, it happens all the time. And quick little detour here. Okay, quick right turn. Recently, we've talked about cheating in chess, now cheating in college football. There's been cheating in poker that we've talked about. There's been cheating. Uh, I mean, what am I forgetting? There, there's all different kinds of cheating scandals that are coming forth now. Uh, cheating in colleges, right? And so, um, my question to you is: do, Oh, the 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 fish way, the fish weights, right? The the fishermen who like put the weights in the fish. Well, my question to you is: With the fish cheating, with the poker cheating, with this college football cheating, with the chess cheating, do we think that all of these people who were suspend or suspicious of cheating, or who who are you know under the suspicion of cheating, do we think this is the first time they all did this, or do we think this is the first time they got caught doing this? Because you have to ask yourself, if anyone's going to cheat out there, no one in their right mind would cheat thinking they would get caught. Most people do a cheat thinking they're going to get away with it. They've got a system. No one's going to catch on here. And so whether it's Arizona State making bets or a chess person with anal beads, or <laughs> if you missed that, go back and listen a few weeks. Uh, we talked about the the chess scandal, but there's che- there's cheating all over going on right now and people being caught. So it's just funny, you know, People think this doesn't exist, and I'm bringing it back to college football here. It clearly was going on at Arizona State. If you bet on Arizona State any of those games, I mean, you maybe legally should be entitled to get your money back. So my little detour there was a point, just saying this stuff exists. It happens. It's all over the place. It's real. You know, maybe we shouldn't pay too much attention to it. But if you just turn a blind eye and say, "Yeah, that doesn't happen. That that doesn't exist anymore," I think you're going to find yourself shocked a lot more than not when, when, when things like this do come out. So. Uh, the weird stuff at Arizona State. And just to clarify what I said there, Arizona State, A, am not sure whether it was a staff member or, or who it was, but it was someone with knowledge of what was going on inside the football program was betting a lot of money against Arizona State last few weeks. Uh, and he did it while wearing an ASU shirt, not the sharpest knife in the drawer there. So we may you know, follow that up next week. I'm not sure if it's going to become a huge story or not, but wanted to put that out there. All right, moving on here. I think this is our uh, last or second to last top twenty-five game. Uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State blows out a KJ Jefferson-less Arkansas, forty to seventeen. Will Rogers threw for just under four hundred yards and three touchdowns. That just kind of sucks, right? Alabama or uh, Arkansas and Mississippi State. That should have been a classic SEC matchup. It should have been a much better game. But that proves right there how important quarterbacks are. KJ Jefferson out, and Arkansas didn't look like themselves. At all, final top twenty-five game here. Cincinnati beats UCF, uh USF, excuse me, twenty-eight twenty-four, and these teams ran all over each other. USF had two twenty-four on the ground since he had two twenty-one on the ground. They just mirrored each other. No one could stop the run game. Neither team too efficient in the past game, but since he outlasted USF. 28-24. to All right, a couple games here in the non-top 25 to get to. Of course, we got to start off with OU Texas. Uh, Texas getting the win, 49-0. to Boy, you talk about pent-up frustration getting let out when they could. And we talk about this all the time. If there's a team like Texas in a spot where they can beat up on the Big Brother, you're typically going to see that happen unless they don't have the talent to do so. I could say that happened in the Tennessee-LSU game this week, right? Uh, did we talk about that, by the way? I'm not sure if that got skipped or if I did. Uh, Maybe it got skipped this week. Tennessee-LSU, that's certainly a top 25 game. Uh, Tennessee blew out LSU, and it was the same thing I'm talking about here. It was 40-13. I'm sorry if I did skip that one. But uh, when Tennessee gets in the spot where they can finally beat up on the big brother LSU, who's been so good for so long, if they have the talent to do so, they probably will. Same thing here, Texas OU. If OU's been winning this game for a while, which they have been dominating lately, and Texas finally has the talent to beat OU, they're not going to give up. They're not going to let in. I mean, Sark, if it was up to Steve Sarkeesian, he would have won that game 149-0. to So Texas making a statement, beating OU, and this is a whole lot more about Oklahoma than it is about Texas. Now, I understand. Texas looks good. Quinn Ewers is, is looking as advertised, and I have upgraded Texas pretty substantially in my rankings. I'm not down on Texas. I'm not dissing Texas. But, I mean, this is a lot more about OU not showing up and looking very, very bad than it is about Texas actually taking that game and making a statement. So, Texas, 49-0 against OU. Whew, not a good look for the Sooners. Uh, other top tw- other non-top 25 games here. Um, Purdue. I gave out Purdue uh, plus three as a best bet last week. They outlast Maryland 31-29. And uh, the Terps did miss a two-point conversion at the very end of the game. Purdue lost the turnover battle 3-1, but it was pretty even besides that. So I think that actually says a lot about Purdue losing the turnover battle, giving a good Maryland offense the ball in the, in, in Purdue territory a couple times and still winning 31-29. I think that was a good show for Purdue. But uh, both these teams I'm impressed with. Uh, not a huge upgrade or downgrade for either team, but I think you do have to say Purdue probably exceeded expectations there, losing the turnover battle 3-1 and winning the game outright. Uh, but my, my other takeaway there is it seemed like that line actually was pretty accurate. Okay. Purdue plus three on the road. I think that should be the line for when these teams match up this year Purdue, Maryland. Um, and what I mean by matchup this year, it's just like, you know, there's going to be different. There's going to be different players, maybe different coaches next year. But with these given teams, it makes sense to me. The road team should be plus three. If Maryland was at Purdue, Maryland should be plus three. If it's a neutral, it should probably be pretty close to a pick 'em. So I actually, going back in hindsight, think that line was pretty accurate, even though we got the win there. Uh, Wisconsin, they put up 42 in their first game without Paul Crist. Uh, they beat Northwestern 42-7. It's Northwestern. They're bad this year. Not sure how much of a takeaway that is. But anytime you could put up 42, you don't want to scoff at that. And Wisconsin hitting the ground running without Paul Christ. And I know a lot of people were kind of upset with that. They had their their opinions. Paul Christ had such a good record at, at Wisconsin. But it was probably time to turn the page. And I think the offense responded very well. Uh, North Carolina. How about Mack Brown, a.k.a. Chubbs? I mean, North Carolina's 5-1. and one. Can you believe that? I... I I know we all kind of had our questions. Is, is Mac Brown, you know, I had my headline, is he tipping the scales in the right direction for UNC? Right, all my fat jokes. I'm, I'm taking shots. I know. I know. It's not fair. But they're 5-1. and one, And we've got to at some point say, wow. I mean, Mac Brown is exceeding expectation. Mac Brown is doing what a lot of people thought he couldn't do. And they beat Miami 27-24. Uh, now, here's who they played so far. Okay, North Carolina's played Florida A&M, App State, Georgia State, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Miami. Do with that what you will. You can make a case they've had a tough schedule. You can make a case they've had an easy schedule. I mean, if you want to say tough schedule, I mean, they played Ab State, Virginia Tech, Miami, beat all those teams. Or you could say, yeah, they also played Florida A&M, Georgia State, who got their first win of the year this this weekend, and uh, uh, they lost to Notre Dame. So you could say that too, right? You can paint it either way, but I think my takeaway is they're winning games. Yeah, they lost to Notre Dame, but they're five and one halfway through the season. Gotta tip your cap to Mac Brown. Uh James Madison. Why are we talking about James Madison? Because I think they might be the best group of five team, and they may sneak their way into that group of five uh, matchup, whether it's on uh, the 31st or New Year's Day, whenever they're going to do that this year. James Madison making a strong case for the best non-Power 5 team. They beat Arkansas State 42-20 over the weekend, and James Madison is my single most upgraded and improved team this year all in all of college football. So they look good. They, I mean, they keep it going this week, 42-20. And uh, we don't talk a whole lot of JMU on here, but they look very good, and it's worth noting they may be the best group of five team right now in college football. And finally, final takeaway here, Oregon State game-winning touchdown. How fun was that? If you stayed up to watch a little Pac-12 after dark, you were rewarded. It was a fun game, Oregon State. Even though they probably should have won against Stanford, they had a, a last-second uh, deep touchdown pass. I think it was like a 50-yard touchdown. I, I, I'm not getting the stats right here, but it was a long touchdown pass, 13 seconds to go, and they end up holding on to beat Stanford in a very close game. So Oregon State improves to 4-2. and two. Stanford, I think they've got one win on the season so far. And I know, I, I know most people were asleep during that game, but trust me, it was awesome. So uh, Oregon State getting the win. What's the final score there? I may as well give a score here to... All right, Oregon State football, they end up getting the win. 28-27 at Stanford to wrap things up. So, all right, that does it for the recap show. And uh, it was weird by myself, not going to lie. A little weird in here. A little lonely. All by myself. So, Will and Ryan will be back on Wednesday, and there's a lot to go over. It's a big week coming up. So many marquee matchups, a ton of shuffling to be done in the top 25. So, stay tuned. Big show coming up on Wednesday, full of picks. We'll talk to you then on College Football Tailgate.